Tarzan wasn't a ladies' man. He'd just come along and scoop him up under his arm like that. Quick as a cat in the jungle. But Clark Kent, now there was a real gent. He would not be caught sitting around in no jungle scheme. Dumb as an ape doing nothing. Superman never made any money. Saving the world from Solomon Grundy. And sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him. Following the death of Superman in Superman 75, Metropolis and the DCU as a whole enters a period of mourning in the storyline Funeral for a Friend. Funeral for a Friend goes in two different directions in the aftermath of Superman's death. Justice League America 70 begins outside the Daily Planet where Bloodwind confirms that Superman is in fact dead before taking Ice to the hospital. We learn that as a result of the Doomsday fight, Blue Beetle is in a coma, Fire is powerless, a Booster Gold's power suit is damaged beyond repair, making him basically powerless. And for some reason, he never changes into regular clothes in this whole issue. Just tattered, blonde muscle man the whole time. Anyway, the rest of the issue is spent with other heroes coming to the Justice League Embassy in New York to pay their respects to Superman, including Flash, Aquaman, Batman and Robin, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, Hawkman, Nightwing, Starfire, Power Girl, Elongated Man, The Golden Age Green Lantern, The Golden Age Flash, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, and Black Condor. Even the demon shows up for one panel for some weird reason. And everyone gets a black armband as well. Now this, uh, the black armbands, uh, although they also pointed out in a couple issues later in the Superman storyline, the black armbands actually come with some of the uh, Superman comics. So there actually was a collector's item that you could wear a black armband with Superman's symbol on it. But meanwhile, that's it. That or that's the end of the storyline in the Justice League book. After this, they start rebuilding after the death of Superman and the injuries to the other members, and building a new team for the Justice League. We're not going to follow that. Meanwhile, over in Adventures of Superman 498, we also start off at the Daily Planet with Dubelix. Or double X? We'll call him double X. Confirming the death of both Superman and Doomsday. Bloodwind apparently also said it, but said it off panel, so I guess that's supposed to have happened from the Justice League issue. Just go with that. Then, while several attempts are made to revive Superman, Lex recovers Supergirl, Cadmus collects Doomsday's body, and the Kents pray for their son. Later, inside the Daily Planet, with Lois tearfully writing up her Doomsday story, Perry and Jimmy feel sorry for her because not only has Superman died, but Clark is missing as well. In Action Comics 685, there's a big brouhaha at the city morgue as Cadmus tries to claim Superman's body as well, since they have claims over alien bodies. Uh, it's a standoff between the SCU, 
and Cadmus until Lex and Mayor Berkowitz are able to get official faxes from the White House declaring Superman as an American citizen, while Lex also declares Doomsday will go to Star Labs for disposal. If this does happen, we, we, we don't see it. As Lex holds a press conference to announce his intent to give Superman a proper hero's burial with a new tomb erected in Centennial Park, this Kent's began to come to grips with the idea that Clark is dead, and Lana is also in shock. We also get some reactions from around the world as Lois goes to Clark's apartment for a chance to properly grieve for her fiancé. After mixed reactions from the city's criminals, Supergirl stops a robbery, and Bebo prays to God asking why Superman had to die. The funeral proper takes place in Man of Steel number 20, attended by both superheroes and dignitaries. Lots of cameos by people Superman saved in previous issues, as well as the creative team and others, are in this issue. Batman prevents a terrorist bombing. We see the debut of the Superman statue at the tomb as the crowd pushes its way toward the tomb, which ends up leading into a riot, which is eventually stopped by the superheroes. As the Clintons give a speech, the Kents hold their own funeral in Smallville, burying some of Clark's favorite things in the spot where his ship crashed all of those many years ago. And Jonathan has pain in his left arm. But I'm sure that doesn't lead to anything. As Superman's body is lowered into the tomb, Lois finally is able to get a hold of the Kents, who tell her that they are on their way. Now, one year previous to this, uh, right before Panic in the Sky started, it was revealed that Superman spends Christmas Eve every year reading a year's worth of mail, helping people where possible. It's at the one of the post offices in Metropolis, and it's called Metropolis Mailbag. Well, this story is the sequel in Superman number 76, where the other heroes of the DCU fill in for him this time. Meanwhile, Mitch, remember Mitch? He's made his way to Metropolis feeling guilty for calling Superman back just because he and his family were about to burn to death in a fire. Jimmy meets up with him. Not that he knows him, he just spots a troubled soul. And takes him to Bibbo's for some food. Meanwhile, Lois returns to Clark's apartment again, acting like she hasn't been there since he died, although she was just there in Action 685. Anyway, she's reunited with the Kents and Lana. Meanwhile, the heroes continue to help people who've mailed Superman, including Mitch's family, who not only get their house rebuilt, but also the heroes reunite Mitch's parents, who really want to try to work things out this time. Jimmy makes or Jimmy takes Mitch to Superman's tomb, and then as they leave, Lois, Lana, and the Kents arrive. But down below, Cadmus has drilled into the tomb, and they're taking Superman's body. Adventures 499 begins with alarms going off at LexCorp Tower, indicating that Superman's body has moved. Supergirl heads out to investigate, but her arrival is noticed by an undercover SCU officer. Inside, Superman's coffin is missing, and there is a giant hole in the wall. Outside, Jose Delgado is contemplating bringing back Gangbuster. While Supergirl continues her search, Dan Turpin arrives and heads into the tomb as well. Over in Hobbs Bay, Delgado returns as Gangbuster, helping Bibbo take out some drug dealers. Back down below, Supergirl discovers the Underworlder's domain. Thinking they may have taken Superman, she decides to use force to get them to tell her where it is. But by this point, Turpin has caught up to her as well and joins in the fight. But when an Underworlder drops a grenade down Turpin's pants, he and Supergirl are forced to retreat before there's the explosion. Don't worry, Turpin took off the pants, and he was wearing boxers. It's okay. 
By the time they get outside, the rest of the SCU has arrived. The Underworlders may not have taken Superman, but they think they know who did now. Cadmus. Action 686 begins with the Guardian stopping some van thieves before being called back to Cadmus via an urgent message from Double X. Meanwhile, Lex has arrived at the tomb and everyone compares notes. Down below, Guardian arrives at Cadmus and is furious when he sees Superman's body on the table until director Westfield throws out the idea that they could recreate Superman. Up above, or rather, not quite as far down, Supergirl clears away the rubble in the tunnel and uncovers an unexploded charge with Cadmus markings on it. Then it explodes, causing river water to flood the tunnel. Fortunately, Supergirl is able to save everyone and they head back up to the surface, only to be met by Superman worshippers. As they depart, we shift to the airport where Lois is dropping off Lana and the Kents for their flight back to Kansas, but not before Lana promises to always be there for Lois whenever she needs some support. Man of Steel 22 starts with Lois having a nightmare about Superman being dragged down by a whirlpool and her being so busy reporting on the event that she ignores his cries for help. She is awakened by a call from Perry as the flood continues to fill the tunnels under the city and is now starting to flood into the streets. Back in Smallville, the Kents return to their farm and Pa relives a time that Clark was getting ready to show his calf at the fair. Back at Cadmus, Double X notes that Superman's wounds have healed and Guardian thinks that that must have happened before he died, completely forgetting the bleeding and bruised hero that he tried to resuscitate back in Adventures 498. Anyway, the main point of the scene is for the Newsboy Legion to see Superman at Cadmus. Back in Smallville, Pa relives the time Baby Clark was enjoying some oatmeal, and Pa gave him a toy plane, and his first utterance of, Up, up, and away! Actually, I think he says, uh, See, bye, Pa, I gotta fly. That's what he says. Anyway, back in Metropolis, while Lois and the Underworlders investigate the source of the flood separately, in Gotham, Batman recalls the time Superman entrusted him with the Kryptonite Ring in case he ever lost control. This scene is interesting, but it feels like padding. Because Batman's not part of this story at all. Anyway, at Superman's tomb, Lois makes her way to Captain Sawyer, who reluctantly brings her up to speed on what they know about Superman's body. Later, the Underworlders find Lois and show her another of Cadmus's unexploded charges, proving that they're the ones that caused the flood and probably have Superman. While Lois gears up for some scuba diving, Pa relives the day Clark saved the space plane, and, and Pa was the one that came up with the idea of the costume, blaming himself because it led to his death. Meanwhile, Lois and the Underworlders break into Cadmus and find Superman there, but quickly have to leave before they're discovered. Later, Lois writes it up but just about the body being stolen, not the info about Cadmus. The next day, presumably, Ma finds Pa out at the crash site, continuing to blame himself for Clark's death, continuing to blame himself for Clark's death as he suffers a heart attack. Superman 77 begins at LexCorp Tower, where Lex is taking part in martial arts training, but gets so lost in thought about his past history with Superman that one of the trainers, Sasha, gets in a good hit. This angers him, but he's interrupted by Supergirl and Lois, who shows him the real story, including the Cadmus stuff. As Lex goes to work to retrieve Superman, Pa is rushed to the hospital in cardiac arrest. As the doctors try to revive him, he recalls the time Clark helped fix up his old truck. When they rip open his shirt to use a defibrillator, Pa recalls one of Cl Clark's classic shirt rips, and sort of comes to, I guess, he opens his eyes and says Clark. In Metropolis, Jimmy is asked to choose a photo to be used 
as the cover for a special Newstime Superman tribute issue. He chooses the picture of Superman's cape that was also the cover of Superman 75. Over at LexCorp, Sasha is getting ready to leave when someone enters the locker room and kills her. This will be important way down the line in Action 700, but not for this, not really for the rest of this story. Out near Habitat, remember Habitat? Supergirl drops off Lois before heading into cabins to retrieve Superman. While she's waiting, Lois meets the Outsiders, not the superhero ones. These are the wild area Outsiders Jack Kirby created back in the 70s. When she explains why she's there, they lead her to Cadmus to help, but by the time they get there, Supergirl has already smashed her way through and has Superman in her arms. In Smallville, the doctors continue to work on Paul while he continues remembering Clark as Superman, including events that he wasn't even present for. At the tomb, Superman is laid in a new coffin, and Lex gloats about being the most powerful man in Metropolis again, while also admitting to killing Sasha and framing a janitor for it. Meanwhile, in Smallville, Pa sees Clark and goes to be with him, leaving Martha alone as his heart stops beating. Hey, Bob, soup had a straight job. Even though it could have smashed through any bank in the United States, he had the strength, but he would not. Folks said his family were all dead. Planet crumbled, but Superman he forced himself to carry on. Get Krypton and keep going. Superman never made any money to save the world from Solomon Grundy. And sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him. Pretty powerful stuff, right? Now, a fun thing they did after this was take three months off from publishing the regular Superman comics, with no triangle-numbered Superman titles released from between mid-January and mid-April 1993. This way, there were no issues in the solicitations, nor anything to put in the next issue boxes at the end of the letter columns, and it makes it seem like maybe they really weren't going to try to bring Superman back, and it really kind of added to the finality of it all. But DC couldn't just not publish a Superman-related title or two in the interim, right? In fact, three books were published during this downtime. Legacy of Superman, Supergirl and Team Luther, and a real-world release of that Newstime issue that I mentioned earlier. First up was Legacy of Superman, and it consists of a few short stories, with the first one focusing on Cadmus and the Newsboys. Back when they still had Superman's body, the original newsboys, which have grown up to become the directors of Cadmus, uh, were able to map out a close approximation of Superman's DNA. But that's not the miracle. The miracle is that they were able to save it onto a floppy disk. Anyway, Westfield wants the engineers to get to work on it right away, but the others remind him that testing needs to be done first, because this is highly experimental. Guardian offers to be cloned in order to protect Metropolis while the testing is done, but Westfield has already done that, as Dr. Carl Packard introduces Auron, a super-powered, indestructible, super-powered clone of Guardian. Westfield orders him to grab the disc, but the young newsboys get a hold of it first and take off. 
mindlessly under order, Auron follows, but the kids are able to appeal to the small part of the Guardian that's still inside him, and when he gets the disc, he copies it into his backpack hard drive, destroys the floppy, and zooms off into space, vowing to guard Superman's DNA with his life. Next up, Rose Forrest has her home robbed, and that night she unknowingly becomes the thorn and takes down the entire fencing operation. That was probably the easiest thing I've had to summarize in all my time of podcasting. In Hobbs Bay, Gangbuster takes down some gunrunners, but unlike Gotham criminals with Batman, they aren't scared of this vigilante and are willing to sue him or charge him with assault. But Inspector Henderson has pity on him because he knows the man behind the mask and gives him a one-way bus ticket out of town before the DA tries to come after him. This actually works out because Gangbusters creator Jerry Ordway is getting ready to leave the Superbooks. I believe uh, he's going to sort of follow Jerry over to Shazam, Power of Shazam. I think he's in there. I haven't read much of Power of Shazam yet. I'm working on it. So I'm not 100% sure, but I believe he shows up there. But this is the last time we're going to see Gangbuster for quite a while. Finally, a young superpowered boy named Davud, who went by the name Sinbad in the three-part storyline a few years earlier, is tricked by Lex into, into becoming the target for some hijackers after he allows them to steal some experimental weaponry. When Davud tracks them down, they blast him, but because of his powers, it only knocks him out. Then Lex, thinking Davud must be dead, destroys the guns by remote control, which also kills the hijackers, leaving him to think that he has killed two birds, or actually, in this case, I guess, four birds, with one stone. Now, I said finally, but I just remembered that there's actually another story in this issue. And for some reason, it's not on the version that's on the DC Infinite app, which is what I was using to do these summaries. Uh, it's a fairly simple story, though. Wave Rider, which is the, who is the newest member of the Linear Men, uh, wants to go back in time and prevent Superman's death, while the other Linear Men talk him out of it because it would cause more trouble than it's really worth to try to change history like that. Uh, it's a neat little tale that helps explain why they don't go back and prevent all the terrible events, and I'm not sure why it's not included in the DC Universe app version of the issue, especially when they credit Dan Jurgens and Trevor Scott, who are the creators for that issue, in the credits page at the beginning. I, I, I don't understand it. Anyway, next up was Supergirl and Team Luther, which has Lex offering the services of his security team, Team Luther, to Metropolis, if they're willing to give him the same authority they had given Superman. The city council doesn't like that idea because they have no one to answer to. But at just about that time, some terrorists seize Star Labs. Lex sends his team into battle, even donning his own suit of armor so that he can join in the fight. But Star Labs is trashed in the ensuing battle, and Lex's leg is broken when the ceiling comes crashing down. After a pep talk from Supergirl, he orders his executives to come up with more uplifting proposals to help raise the city's spirits. Then he meets with Carl Packard. Remember him? Just a little bit ago? He turns out to be Luther's spy in Cadmus, and he brings Lex up to speed on their plans to clone Superman, as well as the events we saw with Auron in Legacy of Superman. Then he cleans up a pre-death subplot by involving one of his executives hiring the creature Helgramite to kill him. This time, he has Supergirl pose as Helgramite. Uh, she can shapeshift. I told you her story was a long one. And that gets him to confess, which leads to his arrest. 
And the story ends with Lex saying he wishes he could have a hundred Supergirls, which is also a hint of a future story that we won't be talking about in this set of episodes. Uh, The second story of the issue involves Lex opening up a new homeless shelter and the Underworlders deciding to go to the shelter since they are, in fact, homeless. However, while they do disguise themselves, they are found out and they're attacked because they are different. One of them, Cracker, uh, shoots off sparks when he gets nervous, which causes a huge fire. Fortunately, Supergirl arrives to save the day. So the Underworlders decide to go back to the underground, and Lex vows to investigate the Underworlders. Now finally, uh, we get the news time issue. This is treated like a real magazine, complete with ads, which obviously are fake. There's no real ads in this, but they have ads, and even a letters column. Uh, In addition to tributes to Superman, including a continuity-shattering one from William Shatner, who recalls trying to fly like Superman as a child despite, according to the comics timeline, Superman has only been a hero for about the past 10 years or so. Uh, Also sprinkled in the issue are little seeds for future stories, including news that the commissioner may be forced to resign due to the sudden rise in crime following Superman's death. This will be important later. Sometimes... The soup was stopping crimes I'll bet that he was tempted to just quit and turn his back on man Join Tarzan in the forest But he stayed in the city Kept on changing clothes and dirty old phone booths till his work was through. Then nothing to do but go on home. Superman never made any money. Saving the world from Sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him. Sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him. And that brings us into the end of all the issues for the post Superman stuff. Once again, I read all of these well after, well, I don't know about well after the fact. I'm not exactly sure when I got them. Probably during that three-month stretch would be my guess. But instead of a trade, the way I read them, the individual Funeral for a Friend issues were actually collected along with Superman Gallery and a, I think it was an excerpt of some sort of article that I, I think was also part of the Newstime issue. Uh, but, um, and, a, and a postcard which uh, had a scene from Superman versus the Mechanical Monsters. Specifically, uh, it's the part where he's wrapped up in all the electrical cables and stuff, and he's trying to break free. Uh, That came with it, too. Uh, But this was all sold at Walmart. Uh, The other books, uh, The Legacy of Superman and the other two, uh, they were not part of that set. I didn't own a copy of them until much later. In fact, uh, probably within the last five years. But I am really glad that, again, I was able to read all of these in one shot instead of having to wait. For one thing, it, it as, long, as long as it took to read them, 
you know, you, you kind of want to move on. This is, it's, I mean, this is basically two months worth of issues. That's a long time. So I'm glad I was able to read them all at once. Again, this, this was actually where I started my Superman reading as far as my first comic books that I owned, which is kind of sad, really. It also led, to me, led me to uh, finding uh, one of those uh, mail-away comic shops that uh, I, I actually started increasing my collection by ordering comics from, uh, what's it called? I think it was called Discount Comics in El Segundo, California. They aren't around anymore as far as I know, but uh, yeah, I got some Superboy stuff and some pre-crisis Superman stuff and a few Batman things. It was good times. Anyway, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the creative team used that three-month gap to work out Superman's return. After all, uh, they made it pretty clear that he was, in fact, dead. They needed to come up with a way for him to return that couldn't really be repeated. I mean, after all, it would kind of kill all the drama in the Superman books if it was just... Even if he died, he'd be able to come back. They had, you know, got to come up with something. I mean, we don't want Lazarus pits, you know what I'm saying? I mean, after all, they didn't want Superman to be immortal. <laughs> that would just be silly. <laughs> but how all that played out, we'll have to wait for next time. In the meantime, I hope you all have a wonderful week or two, depending on how long it takes me to get the next issue. I have family visiting, which is going to limit my recording time. Um, I also want to wish a happy Thanksgiving to everyone if you're in the U.S. and if you celebrate it. And I will see you next time with Reign of the Supermen. Take care. Thank you for listening to Charlie's GeekCast. Feedback for the show can be sent to charliesgeekcast at gmail.com or you can feel free to leave a comment at the show's posting at charliesgeekcast.com. All images and music heard on the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for entertainment purposes only. No infringement is intended. Charlie's Geekcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Please be sure to stop by Two True Freaks to check out more great shows. Thank you again for listening, and good night. Good night.